0: Talk,
1: talk to me. WSRadio.com.
2: Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
0: And welcome back. 866 WS Radio. Um, Marsha Marvin tells me that so far, so good on Dallas. He's going to give us his review maybe at the end of the show. Although he does no. say he was only a teen when he watched the first one. Yeah, me too, Marvin.
3: Well, I have to tell you, now, review, review, review. I read Digital Wars, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and the Battle for the Internet while I was on vacation. I had Mm -hmm. a paper copy of the book. Wow. And I think if Charles would see the copy of my book, he'd be very happy because whenever somebody brings me a book to sign, when I see turned corners and yellow highlighter throughout the book, I know they've really read it. Yeah. And I really did love the book. And in this book, I just before we bring Charles on, I have to tell you a couple of things that I found really interesting. Uh, one was the generational relationship that Mark Zuckerberg uh, felt towards Google and Microsoft. Um, if you think about how we all grow up in different stages of the Internet, uh, Zuckerberg, you know, he grew up. With the Internet, and he looked at Google a little bit the way we look at Microsoft. Sure. A giant company that swallowed a whole industry sector. Right. So he felt more comfortable connecting with Google because of that reason. Another thing I read in here which fascinated me, I was a big sidekick user. I loved Hiptop, brilliant product, Mm -hmm. and that was danger a brilliant, brilliant thing that was bought by Microsoft. And when it was bought, remember how excited I was? I mentioned it on the show, and nothing ever happened to it. And I'm going to ask Charles to talk a little bit about that. Please. All, and also, uh, my gosh, there's so much in here. I have a bunch of questions. I want to introduce Charles Arthur. Thank you for calling all the way from the U.K. on Skype. <laughs>
1: that's, that's okay. It's not too hard. It's, um, it's just a few buttons on the
0: keyboard, actually. <laughs> Welcome to the show.
1: It feels as so
3: I'm still in England, in fact. Quite amazing. So, so everybody knows The Guardian, which is, you know, have to read. Uh, Charles is The Guardian's technology editor and I follow his tweets at Charles Arthur on Twitter. He always says brilliant things. Got, and I love that you use the word folk because my editors are always saying you say folks too much, but I like the word folks. What made you write this book?
1: It was actually um, a suggestion that was pitched to me by uh, someone who works for a publishing company, for, for the publishers, uh, Kogan Page at the time. Um, she sent me an email completely out of the blue, saying, "Hey, I think it'd be really interesting. You know, you could do something. It's like the rivals. Uh, you could, you know, about Apple and Microsoft and Google." And, and at first, I said, "Well, I've never written a book. You know, I'm, I i do not know really how I do it." But it was such a fascinating idea that it just sort of Away at me, and she had to keep on prodding me. I just found myself eventually thinking, "Yeah, how would I do this? Actually, how would I make this book work?" And. Uh, it turns out that actually a big part of what makes it interesting or not interesting is is how you structure it. And I, I realized quite early on that if I was to write a, a sort of a timeline of, you know, and so then in 1998, Google formed, and then in 1999, right, right. Apple did this, and then, you know, that would be very tedious, and, and actually it would just be sort of like reading a calendar or a phone directory. So I realized the way to, to do it was to slice it, that you have these different fights that these companies have had so it was actually google and microsoft is the first part of it um after explaining how it was that microsoft got to the position it was in by 2001 um antitrust lawyers crawling all over it um why don't you explain why don't
3: you explain a little bit of that situation and how it crushed the company emotionally i think you painted a very good picture of that
1: Sure. Well, in 1998, at, at the end of the eight, um, Microsoft was uh, facing an anti- antitrust uh, examination. Um, brought by the U.S. Department of Justice because it was dominant in Windows, but it was also trying to use that dominance to shut out Netscape, um, the long-lamented, um, but, you know, the, the first of the big dot coms, Netscape browser, right. um, by forcing uh, the PC manufacturers to to preinstall Internet Explorer rather than Netscape on their machines. And it's okay to have a monopoly in one field, but it's not okay to use that monopoly to then create another monopoly or, or to exert you know to exert that influence in right. another field. It's fine to be big but it's not good to use that size in another area and to to push out uh, either incumbents or or people who might rival you. So uh, the big antitrust uh, lawsuit came through uh, in 1999. It was pretty much everything that people paid attention to. Uh, Microsoft lost. It was found guilty of having uh, broken the Sherman antitrust law. Um, The original judging was that it should be broken up, that it should be broken into an operating system company and an applications company It appealed... Um, The judge in the case was found to have um, talked too much and too loosely, basically to a writer called Ken O'Letter who writes for The New Yorker, um, who had um, terrific access to him. But unfortunately for for the judge, um, and fortunately perhaps for Microsoft, um, he was found to have overstepped the mark. So the appeals court ruled that Microsoft could stay in one piece, but it had to submit to a lot of anti-sites, which actually ended... um, Very recently, in April of this year, and uh, it had to change the way that it thought, and that had a dramatic effect. So Microsoft, which in the 1990s was a really hard-driving company, it was it was sort of Bill Gates personified. You know, people forget what Bill Gates was like. Uh, Right. I I remember. I
3: remember Bill Gates in the old days when we used to go to Comdex. If you remember Comdex, if you ever went, Um, sure. Lots of fun. Yeah, he was just one of the guys. We were all there together. Uh, those were the great early days, and and the attitude from the people of Microsoft, and they proud, they were proud, they stood proud, and and yet, go ahead, Charles, tell them what happened.
1: They were very proud, hard charging. They they would you know basically just run over you if you're in the way. And what the antitrust trial made them rethink was their whole approach to business. When they're coming up with a new product, well. How do we use this without exploiting the fact that we have the dominance, you know, 90%, 95% in operating systems?" is it okay to market this on Windows or do we have to find some some more passive way almost of doing it? And that really did have a gigantic effect. There were sort of top-level corporate meetings where you know, some of the people stood up and said, we're not happy about how we're being portrayed outside, how we're seen outside, and we think that our culture has to change. And it did change. You know, the antitrust trial really did affect Microsoft. It, it, some people think it distracted it. Um, I think that it that it more sort of made it think twice about how it moved into new fields. So when it came to competing with Google in search, which it suddenly woke up in sort of late 2002 and realized it had a fight in its hand, there was a big question mark about how should it do it. Of the 90s, if it had been in the same situation, would have just said, hey, yeah, sure, we'll just put search, you know, we'll just put our own search straight all the way through Windows. yeah, you know, we'll win it that way. But the Microsoft of the 2000s had to think a bit more carefully.
0: Uh, yeah. uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, today, we're looking at a, a completely different, really, Microsoft, and we're looking at a completely different Apple. And I, I, going back to the days that you're now talking about, I remember thinking, Apple, I mean, how are they going to stay in business? Is this company, there's no way that they're going to survive and overtake Microsoft? W- what's your opinion of the two companies today?
1: Um, okay, so Apple. with Apple, you have a, a two-stage thing. It's sort of like they, they crossed the stream from being you know, really a pretty small computer manufacturer never never a dominant one. You know, always great ideas, but never anything that was going to uh, change. Uh, they were never going to be dominant in computers. Mm-hmm. They, they crossed the stream in steps. First of all, there was the iPod. Which led them, led them into the whole area of digital music and selling digital stuff online. And, then and I have the...
3: to, t- I have to tell you, Charles's discussion of the evolving of the iPod is fascinating in the book. Oh, yeah. um, they really, they really did an awful lot to it. And Charles, the one question I did have was on the iPod. And that was, you mentioned when HP licensed the iPod. Now, I had my first iPod. It was HP Apple iPod. When I brought it into the Genius Bar to ask a question, I was told, you're going to love this, I'm sorry, that's an HP product. We can't hmm. help you. Interesting. And, and that you was you when, men- <laughs> Charles knows way back in the day. And I was wondering, Charles, you didn't mention exactly how did that relationship dissolve?
1: Really, what happened was that having HP selling the iPod, which was, I think, 2002, 2003? Yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah. it was a great coup for Apple because it, it said, hey, look, you know, we can, we can persuade the biggest technology company out there to sell our products, to resell our products, basically. It meant that uh, it beat with HP, it was getting HP to do its work for it. Um, so at the same time, computer makers like Dell and so on were, were trying to get into the same personal computer market, personal, uh, personal music player themselves, and they weren't having much luck. Carly Fiorina at the time was the chief executive. HP right. had been thinking about doing the music player, and the focus group said, we don't like this much, with it's better. So she said, okay, well, we might as well just sell the iPod. The trouble was that there wasn't much in the way of margin for HP in selling them, and also, Steve Jobs, I this deal, promptly um, you know, blindsided HP by releasing the uh, the iPod right. Mini, which right. was a much more desirable and a far better selling device, which, of course, only, only Apple was selling.
0: Hmm. We're going to take a break in just a sec. Uh, fascinating stuff. And uh, Charles, is probably uh, HP was probably right because that iPod thing really never did anything after that, did it? I mean, was is that still around? <laughs> is that, is, is that thing still... you know,
3: When we when we come back from the break, you know, well, last time I was up at Microsoft. By the way, I will be doing a workshop at Building 33 on July 25th up at Microsoft on social media, and little plug there. Uh, I had mentioned to you that Microsoft makes money every time an Android phone is sold. And Charles has the full story in the okay. book, and hopefully he'll tell us when we get back.
0: And Marcia will talk more about, was it Area 53? Is that what you said you were working in?
3: Uh, building 33. Oh, sorry. Oh, I,
0: I get so confused with that stuff. <laughs> oh, Don't go Lord. away. We'll Help be us. right back.
3: This is Marcia Collier. I'm here with Mark Cohen on WS Radio, the worldwide leader in
2: Internet talk.
4: Are your salespeople running at the speed of
5: the Internet? Are you providing the tools they need to compete? Bjorn Stansvik from MentorMate has a solution for increasing the effectiveness of your workforce. The most common problem we see our clients facing is that their salespeople don't have time for learning. IQPAC provides an adaptable mobile learning solution to help your sales force easily master the knowledge to compete effectively. Go to IQPAC.com. That's K.com to learn
0: more.
2: Talk, talk to me.
3: Wsradio.com.
2: Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier.
0: And welcome back. If you want to call us, we're at eight six six WsRadio. And Mar- uh, Mar- Martha, Marsha, Martha, yeah, Martha, Martha. Please introduce our reintroduce our guest,
3: Charles Arthur from the UK author of Digital Wars, Apple, Google, and Microsoft in the Battle for the Internet. And the thing I love about this book is it's written in a conversational style. It's the style I try to write my books in. And when you read Charles' book, it's as if he's sitting at the table telling you a story. And to me, those are the best books, whether they're on tech or not on tech. Uh, It just brings a personal lend to the book. And if so you want to follow I,
0: him, well, I you going to say, if you want to follow uh, Charles, he's at Charles, at Charles Arthur, Arthur, and I just followed him, so please do.
3: There you go. Um, Charles, um, I had mentioned about how Microsoft makes a few coins, uh, estimated $25 off of every Android phone. I know it's a long story. Can you condense it and tell the audience?
1: Uh, sure, Microsoft has been around for so long, and uh, during its history, it bought uh, a company called Danger, who you mentioned earlier on, um, which was a mobile phone maker, and um, interesting, actually, Danger, one of the co-founders, I uh, called Andy Rubin, uh, who, who left before it got bought by Microsoft, but uh, he then went on to uh, found a company, uh, which was also in the mobile phone software, called Android, which was then bought by Google, so um, he's, he's been sort of influential in a lot of things, but Microsoft has a lot of software patents, that's uh, patents which affect how, um, they sort of um, the right to do something. Uh, a lot of them are pretty obscure, but a lot of them are also used in uh, mobile phones, and especially in software-driven mobile phones, such as handsets. So what has happened is that as Android has got bigger and bigger, um, Microsoft hasn't had a great deal of success so far in the, uh, the smartphone area since 2007. Its share has simply fallen. Um, one thing that it started doing in uh, late 2010 was that it started going after the manufacturers of Android handsets, saying, well, these things um, that you're making actually do infringe our software patents. Now, we're perfectly happy to go to court and to, you know, um, <laughs> basically pump on the edge of the dust if you like, um, but I'm sure it'd be a lot easier on you if you just uh, Would a pony up sort of five dollars or so per handset made and um, perhaps it covers a couple of patterns, so you know it it can uh, it can add up there 's um certainly all of the big handset makers in concern and HTC um, have paid up. Motorola is the uh, the sole uh, holdout that I know of, um, because they've even, for example, gone after companies such as uh, Huawei in China, which is uh, a big company you haven't heard of yet in the U.S. Um, But they're they're coming with smartphones as well in the Android field. Um, So Motorola is, is the sole handout. There are incredible fights going on between Microsoft and Motorola, both in Europe. And in the U.S., uh, Motorola is trying to get the Xbox banned from sale and from import. Microsoft is trying to get uh, Motorola dragged up in front of uh, antitrust judges. And uh, it's, a, it's, a real, uh, it's a real ding-dong was a call, in England.
3: Well, you mentioned in the book, and I thought it was fabulous, that by the end of 2012, the patent royalties alone could be a billion-dollar business for Microsoft, and that's hmm. pretty much pure profit. Nice place to be
1: in. It's absolutely. It's, a, it's uh, doing them a lot better than um, at the moment devices uh, that are running their Windows Phone software are doing, um, because the the initial companies that were making Windows Phone devices, uh, which launched in October 2010, that's the new generation of Microsoft mobile software which took over because the old Windows Mobile uh, just became so huge that they couldn't they couldn't actually keep it moving forward. It was it was just became so elephantine. But maintaining the code is impossible. So, uh, Windows Phone launched in October 2010 with uh, a number of Asian uh, handset manufacturers. But it's really been uh, Finland's Nokia, which uh, mm-hmm. has seen its share destroyed in the it has the Symbian operating system, which had been incredibly successful in the smartphone area. Uh, but once Android came along, and uh, with Apple taking the high end with the iPhone, Android taking the medium and, and the low end in smartphones, uh, Nokia was suddenly uh, put in place. So I'm curious, it's been the company selling Windows Phone handsets, and you know, they're really good. And there's actually a lot of people who have yet to buy a handset, a smartphone handset, who um, you know, might like a Windows Phone
3: device. You know, oh, I love it. I have the Samsung Focus, and I think that's a great Windows Phone. I really enjoy using it.
0: You know, Charles, do you think, we, uh, God knows we don't need one more tablet on the market. So what's your opinion of the new Windows 8 tablets that they're talking about? Do they have any chance against an iPad?
1: I think I think they have a very good chance. I think actually that um, the the market is going to split into the iPad and Windows 8. Uh, the tablets, because I think that um, Android tablets have sort of, they've had a good, you know, Lord knows there's enough of them out there for people to buy, and they're still something like 10%, maybe, of the market, really, I and mean, mm-hmm. in terms of how much they get used, it's even, you know, it's tiny. Um I, there just doesn't seem to be the demand for them. There doesn't seem to be the interest for them, especially in in the West. In the U.S. and uh, in Europe, there just doesn't seem to be any demand for Android tablets. But I think the Windows 8 tablets, I think there's going to be a lot of those, uh, both the ones with uh, Intel chips so that they can run the uh, the older uh, software, you know, the older Windows software, and the ones with uh, ARM chips. ARM is the architecture that's used in most, pretty much every right. smartphone, in uh, the iPad. Uh, Windows 8 8 is going to run on that, and that will be a much more iPad lens, but with more Microsoft software. And, you know, Microsoft has been working very hard, and they've done a lot of interesting things, I think, there, which which I think means that they've got a, they've got a very good chance, actually. It's be a key thing. But if you compare an iPad, an Android tablet, and uh, a Windows 8 tablet, I suspect the Windows 8 tablet will have a pretty good amount of f- software for it. Yeah, I would uh, think. You'll probably yeah. have Office for it. Right.
3: Again, well, it's a, just so you know, it's rumored that they are oh, they are going to announce the Microsoft Windows 8 it's a rumor. Right. But Microsoft did send out an email that said on Monday they will be un- making a major announcement. Right. So it it could yeah, well, be coming that soon.
1: I've, I've been talking to my sources as well. Um, there's a couple of things to notice here. First of all, the location. They're talking about it in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. which is normally known as a sort of place to launch hardware. Usually if you're doing that sort of thing, you go to New York, or you would do it perhaps even um, in San Francisco, or you do it in you know, Microsoft's home up in Redmond. So the Los Angeles connection... Um, to the analysts I've spoken to, suggest some sort of content deal. Windows 8 itself isn't really being launched until the end of this month. They've got um, you know, big show, showcases uh, uh, late, uh, sort of at the end of June, uh, certainly over here in Europe for 8. And um, the idea that they'd go early with a, a Microsoft-branded tablet goes against pretty much everything they've done that's been successful with Windows, where they make the software and other people make the hardware. Why would Microsoft want to, you know, start fighting against its own, uh, you know, device makers? Uh, plus the fact that um, Xbox and Kinect aside, when Microsoft has done branded hardware, it hasn't done well. The Zoom didn't didn't fly particularly. And yes. uh, the Kin phone, which what the oh. Danger phone became, a spectacular <laughs> flop. Now, yes, what's it your? Was.
0: Uh, I've been using the beta, uh, the Windows 8 beta, for about two or three months. I happen to like it. Are you using the beta? What's your What's your view of Windows 8 for uh, computers?
1: I have to say that I haven't um, haven't even laid eyes on, on okay. the thing. I've um, <laughs> simply been far, too far away from uh, all, all that sort of stuff at the moment. Um, so I'm not up to date with the betas of Mountain Lion, you yeah, know, Apple's not <laughs> <not with> <laughs>
3: Okay. Well, I do have to tell you, Charles, I did yeah. play with a Windows 8 tablet, uh, and I think it was on an Acer and Asus when I was up in Redmond. And the tablet experience was pretty epic. Um, in my office, I have a 23-inch touchscreen computer, so I'm thinking Windows 8 will be something. I'm waiting for the it to come out of beta to use it. But I think, I think everybody's going to like it. I have one last question because we're about to run out of time. In your book, you mentioned in July 2007, Bill Gates was uh, talking to the New York Times, and he had pretty much dismissed the idea of Google succeeding in the mobile phone business. And then he said something. So now you're making a prediction without ever seeing the software that they're going to have the world's best phone and it's going to be free because basically... Android is open source, and I thought that was very prophetic for two thousand and seven to even think about that. I mean I think the only open source thing we had back then was Linux. Um, mm. What did you think about that whole thing?
1: Bill Gates is a really clever guy, and um, yeah. he can you know he can see sort of further over the horizon, but he's not, he's not that good at sort of saying he um, close closer to you. You He's sort of he's really good at seeing seeing beyond the woods but but actually telling you how to get around the woods is is less less easy. I think the success of Android has come because the handset manufacturers and the carriers both wanted an alternative both to Microsoft whom they didn't trust yeah, you know, through big parts of the early 2000s, they didn't trust what Microsoft wanted to do. They felt Microsoft wanted to do to them, both the carriers and the handset makers, what, uh, they had done to the, the, you know, the computer makers, where Microsoft makes, makes, uh, sort of about $40 profit on every single copy of uh, Windows sold, so that's every PC sold, whereas the PC makers are scrabbling around for money. They really don't do too well out of it. So, um for a long time, the carriers and the handset makers wanted an alternative to Nokia, they wanted an alternative to Microsoft. And Android arrived at just the right time, because we're in with the BlackBerry, that's a closed system. Apple with the iPhone, that's a closed system, though, you know, the carriers take them up eagerly. The iPhone is a, sells really well, and on the BlackBerry, carriers actually get a really good margin, which is, um, so it's distressing for them, but they're losing the, uh, they're losing the user there. But, well, Charles, Charles we got a yeah, of Thank time. you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you for joining so us. Much. <laughs> we appreciate your being with we us. Really and we really appreciate it. Yeah, great, great And information. hopefully
3: I'll see you in the U.K. when I'm there in November.
0: <laughs> uh, bye of the week coming up next. Don't go away.
3: Thank you, Charles. This is Marsha Collier with Mark Cohen on W.S. Radio, the worldwide leader. You are leader listening to Internet Computer Talk.
2: and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marcia Collier.
0: Are you an adventurous wine drinker? Would you enjoy trying a bold red with dark fruit and a spicy finish from Hungary? Or an amphora-style chibi pinot with layers of complex flavors? Carpathian Wines hand-selects extraordinary wines from premier Central European wineries. At carpathianwines.com, you'll find amazing dry whites, big juicy reds, even the famous Tokaya Azú. Discover award-winning, limited-production wines from the heart of Central Europe. Find them only at carpathianwines.com.